Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. And I have literally been traveling around the world. <laughs> I wasn't sure where I was going on this trip, but I decided on Palau and boy, it is a long way. It took good about like 28, 30 hours <laughs> to get there. It was worth it, though. It was a beautiful place. Uh, they have the famous jellyfish, and I got to see some sunken World War II airplanes so you could snorkel around. And I'm going to have more stories about Palau in the next episode. We have a few stories in this one. And in this episode, we also have some stories about these love locks that I knew nothing about. Uh, emotional military story, of course, some other funny airplane stories. And the music for this episode is I've been getting to Paris once or twice a month. And uh, I just love walking there, sort of aimlessly wandering. To me, it's the best experience in Paris. And I like walking. There's this street. I used to get a little irritated. I shouldn't say irritated. Nothing is truly irritating in Paris. But there's a lot of foot traffic, a lot of tourists that are walking towards the Eiffel Tower. And on the street, it's almost a little difficult to walk. So I found this walkway that's if you go halfway across the bridge, it's a walkway in the middle of the Seine River. So you have water on either side and there's local people walking their dogs or people running. And the strange part is, or the thing that, gosh, I'm so thankful for my job for is I'm actually getting to see some of the same people. You know, you have a good job if you get to start to recognize some people on the street in Paris. <laughs> but on this walkway, there's a guy who's there. He must be there every day. He walks and he feeds the pigeons, but he feeds them. He has the pigeon feed in his hand and the, the pigeons, they alight on his hand. He feeds them literally out of his hands. And he said to me one day, they're my friends. And I was like, wow, getting to know some people in Paris. <laughs> Pigeon bird feeders. <laughs> Seemed like a nice guy, though. And I'm walking, and it starts raining. And I see this uh, metro bridge, so an underpass, and there's a lone street performer, a violinist, just playing beautiful music in Paris, in the rain. And it's to me, it's like so quintessential, what's so lovely about Paris. So I recorded this street performer, violinist playing under an overpass in the rain in Paris for this episode. Okay, so you are in Thailand? Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> I saw a brochette with, a, with meat. Brochette. Like a skewer. Skewer, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I went to see what it is. It looked like kind of meat. And they said, uh, fly lat. I said, okay, this is an exotic uh, Thai, <laughs> Thai dish. <laughs> and I ate it. And then I found out that uh, the Thai can't say R. So they say L instead of R. So fly lat is actually a fried rat. <laughs> Right, yeah, so this unfortunately was, I knew it only after I finished the <laughs> tweet. And how was the fried rat? Uh, like a fried rat. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm commuting to work and this male flight attendant gets on the PA and says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, hearing aid was left at the security screening point. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? A hearing aid 
was left at the security screening point. If you've lost your hearing aid, please ring your flight attendant call button. And then it was like, ding. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. The whole plane was laughing. He's like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Well, it was more of a uh, taking off story. Okay. Uh, this happened out of uh, Kuwait. In 03, uh, flew uh, from Rome to Kuwait. Right. And we couldn't go over Iraq, so we had to go down over Egypt and yeah. across and come up the uh, Persian Gulf. But uh, I always would let one of the troops up in the cockpit. Yeah, because you're not supposed to, but it doesn't matter on those flights. Yeah, for takeoff. Yeah. Well, the, uh, there were so many that wanted to be that one yeah. that we, I let them all up there. And there was uh, 19 yeah. <laughs> that we got into the cockpit of a 767 ER. It's great though, they deserve it. They did, but they were sitting on, um, they were sitting on our flight bags yeah. on the side and, and in, the, in the back and everything, but everybody just, had a ball and they all got a kick out of it because they got to say they flew on a 767 on takeoff yeah out of Kuwait yeah so and ended up uh, had all of them sign a oh. yeah uh, so that's kind of been held in uh, under wraps we haven't really let that out anywhere but it was it was a good story and because they've sacrificed so I much know. Do you remember the agent that used to get on the plane in Rome and sing the song? Oh, she golly. had that beautiful voice. Bring tears I, to I you. I cried eyes. every single time. You know, the, the flight attendants would get on at Rome, and uh, and I had brought some letters from our yeah, uh, from elementary school. school. We yeah. put them up on the on the Yeah, walls. put them all over the plane, and one of the flight attendants asked me if I could read. I said, well, read one of the letters. And I said, well, why don't you read it? She says, well... We, she gave me some excuse, and I said, okay, I'll start with it. I'll read it. And, you know, now I know why they wanted somebody else to read it, because you get halfway through that letter, and you yeah, start just I choking know. up. I would, I, was, I would tear up like eight times okay. on each flight. And that's the reason why I'm uh, working for another airline, hauling troops now, is because that, there was nothing better there than, was nothing than better. working out of Rome. I mean, yeah. we stayed at a beautiful hotel. I know. And every evening we'd meet up on the roof. Love that. And uh, and we were we were called the Rome Rats. <laughs> yes, great. And when we left, uh, uh, Hard Rock Cafe was yeah. right around the corner. Yeah. And so, all of the pilots we took up a collection, and we had a like a chief pilot that was in Rome, for us. And uh, we went over to uh, the Hard Rock Cafe and bought a leather jacket for our chief pilot so we gave it to him as a gift from all the all the pilots that were one of the Rome rats yep. that were stationed there you weren't there the last day um, the Rome station manager did a party out at their house and they took, got a bus for us and we we went out there and they had a whole dinner and there was a pool and it's a real like Italian feast Wow they sent me home early oh. because I ran out of time yeah I mean, in, in one month, I flew uh, 13 trips Yeah. and flew 100, I think it was 163 hours. And you're limited yes. uh, to 100 hours. And uh, when I went over that much, you could go over that much, but 
uh, it had to be over a three-month period. So I wasn't going to be able to fly anymore, so they just sent me home. Yeah, so you missed the big party. I'm sorry? You missed the big party. Oh, yeah, I missed that one. But That's every right. party we had yes. on that roof. I know it's a party every night. <laughs> we'd always take up a collection for, for the different hors d'oeuvres and everything. And the pilots always had cheese and olives. And always. We don't, we'd go out and buy more. It's great. And uh, everything. And the, uh, the embassy was right around the right corner. Right there, yeah. And they had a store in the embassy. And we could go into the store and pick up stuff. And so we'd go in there and buy cheese and, yeah. and hors d'oeuvres and everything Boy. else. But, that Those were the days, weren't they? They were, and uh, but it was, it was the days of flying that all of us felt like we were doing something special. And it was emotional, and you really felt, yeah, it's it's different than just never a problem. That, I mean, that's the truth. <laughs> there was problems that the troops brought on board because uh, sometimes they would get on board and. They were coming right out of the desert. I know. And then and they, they take had to their load boots. their bags. Oh, golly. And they take their boots off. And, you know, we had guns on board and everything and else. There's so we, many guns. As I was making jokes because it's like when we usually do the beverage cart, it's like, watch your elbows, you know, watch your toes. And there's it's like, watch your guns. Watch, watch, your, watch your guns. Get your barrel pointed <laughs> the other way. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. know if I've ever mentioned before but you know people ask me oh do you collect anything when you're traveling and for the longest time I'm not really a big shopper uh, I'll buy certain things um, greeting cards to send um, maybe some other useful things you know like um, salad forks in Africa <laughs> you know a rug in Morocco but I don't have anything specific I collect until just recently I I think when I was in Bonaire uh, was the first one I got and now I've been trying to get them most of the places I go but it's not of course leave it to me I'm not going to pick something I can get at a gift shop no 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 it's got to be more difficult than that I've been collecting license plates actual car license plates because it's fun to see all the different license plates of the world and um, you know they're authentic they're original it's not something you can easily get <laughs> but of course it is funny because I gotta basically see a guy about a license plate <laughs> instead of trying to score drugs I'm trying to score a license plate so I was staying at this not very expensive oh well I, I thought it was expensive but Fort Palau was one of the least expensive hotels and was kind of on a side street in like a neighborhood. Uh, it wasn't a resort or anything. And um, I'd have to walk by a bunch of homes to get up to the main street. And there was one house that had kind of like, I guess it's the same anywhere in the world, had some junky cars in the, in the front. And it looked like he had some kind of thing to jerry-rig cars up to like, instead of like a hoist like we have here at a car places, he had like this chain over like a bar. I guess he would pull, he would... You know, that's how you would lift the cars to work on them. So I figured, you know, cars, junk cars. There were some cars there that didn't look like they'd be on the road. So uh, I was like, excuse me, uh, excuse me. Um, do you know anywhere I can get a license plate? And he's like, what? I'm like, how do I get a license plate from here? He's like, you want a license plate? Does it have to be new? I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be new. It doesn't have to. It can be old, old, just as long as it's like the one you guys drive around here. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I, I, I think I could. I could get your license plate. Why don't you come back by here tomorrow? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking, yay. <laughs> that night at dinner, I had dinner with this nice couple that I've been on a kayaking trip with. And I saw them at this place. I went to dinner. It was a place where I don't like this kind of stuff. But the people at that table over, I bought 
had ordered fruit bat soup and there's like a bat in the middle of it. You know, I'm just not into, I swear, I don't even think they want it. They just want to take a picture of the bat in their soup. I just feel bad for the bat. Anyway, I saw these people for dinner and uh, I'm like, I got to get going. And they're like, why? Where are you going? I'm like, I got to see a guy about a license plate. <laughs> and they're like, excuse me? I had to explain that I had an appointment with a guy basically at a junkyard to get a license plate, but I got it. <laughs> right now they're out in my uh, garden because, you know, they're waterproof. Eventually I'll probably do something with them, make like a, you know, wall hanging out of them or something. But right now I have them outside. I love them. It's my little collection. Everybody likes different things, but I love my car license plates. They're kind of fabulous. Okay, so now you're a passenger, and you're going to tell something. I have 965,000 miles. I'm almost a million miles. I quit traveling for five or six years. I had an office job. So. Well, you're really close to being a million miler. Yeah, I'm really close. Okay, so something happened on one of your flights? Um, back in 1995, my um, second international flight ever to um, from Atlanta to um, Bombay then, before it was Mumbai, via Frankfurt. Um, the Atlanta flight, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got you. He's doing a little head bobbing. You need some video. The sound doesn't do it justice. The um, L-1011 from Atlanta to Frankfurt, um, we tried not once, not twice, but three times to take off, but there was not sufficient thrust. So about six hours later, and about 12.30 a.m. Atlanta airport, the pilot says, I promise you I will not fly this plane again. So we had to wait for a plane to get from LA to get us to Frankfurt. So we slept on the, I actually slept on a bench in the Atlanta airport to, and we took off, I think 6 a, about 6 a.m. the next morning. All my connecting flights were, had to be changed, but um. Now you said it was gonna be funny. L-1011, <laughs> sleeping, sleeping in Atlanta on the air, in the airport? Well, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's not funny. <laughs> maybe that's masochism, I don't know. I was looking for funny. Okay, so now we're gonna do a funny story. Okay, when I, one of the trips to Bombay with Coca-Cola, um, to drive from Bombay to Pune via taxi was about anywhere from four to eight hours, depending on the accidents on the road. Four to eight, I know the driving's crazy there. And you had to go over mountains, but you could fly from Bombay to Pune in 45 minutes. And the first time I flew that flight, um, I got in this plane. It was it was a it was a double turboprop. It held about 45 people, and uh, no no one was wearing deodorant. So I got in the plane. I got in the plane and sat down. This is my second international trip. I got in the plane and sat down, and um, they hadn't turned the fans on yet, right. the air conditioning. So all I could smell was the potpourri of India, shall we say? And um, I was the only non-Indian on the plane. That was sort of funny. Well, you know, they say India is an assault of the senses, and you've got you, your senses got assaulted on that flight. I was born and raised in a town of forty thousand, and my first international trip at the age of about twenty-five was to India. So yes, that was assaulted. <laughs> it was raped. <laughs> so I've been flying a long time, and I always think—I don't know why I keep thinking it because it's always wrong—but I always think I've heard all the weird or stupid questions, and yet passengers will always come up with something that uh, really sets you back. And you're like, wow, I haven't heard that one before. I'm walking through the aisles and uh, 
we're boarding and this gentleman stops me and he said, oh, excuse me, how do I move this seat forward? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like I guess in your car, you can move your seat forward and backward. And uh, I said, you want to move your seat forward? Uh, nobody wants less room on an airplane. Uh, and he was at an exit row, so he had actually a little more room. And I said, well, you can't move your seat forward. Why would you want to move your seat forward? And he said, well, I have more room than the people behind me. So I wanted to move it forward. And I was thinking, wow, what a nice guy. <laughs> how often do you want to hear? How often do you hear someone on an airplane wanting less space so someone else can have more space? Go figure. Nice guy, I guess. odd for a French multinational company as a consultant back in night or I'm sorry 2004 um, and it was I think it was uh, I flew in in British Air on the way in but on the way out was Swiss Air from Riyadh to um, um, what's the big Swiss airport uh, Zurich Zurich yeah Zurich and then Zurich from the Zurich to Atlanta I'd heard these stories about the Mid-Eastern mid women, when you, once you get up in the air and the lights and the seatbelt lights come off, so they all had their, um, they all had the headgear and the burkas all burkas and all, and all the conservative stuff. And as soon as the we got at ten thousand feet and the it lights, all came off. it all came off. They had tight jeans, they showed cleavage, and they started drinking wine on the way on the way to Zurich. They're like woohoo! So yeah, that's not very funny. So my last work trip before I went to Palau was to Paris, and I love Paris, and every time I'm there, you know, I only have usually like 24 or 29 hours, so each time I go to a different area, I figure, you know, I hit a different area each time, and then eventually I'll have covered the whole city. So this time, I went down, I was walking down by the Louvre, and I went across this bridge over the Seine River, and I'd never been there before, and first I noticed one or two or you know, tens of these locks, padlocks, uh, combination locks, key locks. They had initials, people's initials on them. They had names engraved on them. And then I was walking a little further and I noticed there's not hundreds, but thousands of these locks. And then I go on the next bridge closer to the Louvre and there's millions, millions of these love locks. And I, I said to a couple that was standing there, I'm like, what's the deal with these locks? I've never seen them before. Why do they put them here? Does Paris not care if they're here? Because it's like, I couldn't figure out if I thought they were graffiti or if it was sweet. And the couple said, oh, it's a, it's a legend. A couple in love will, will put their lock on the bridge and throw the keys into the river. And she goes, or some other people will do it. And, and then as like an anniversary or a promise to each other, they'll come back 10 years later to get the lock or 20 years later. And I was like, wow, I mean, I, I couldn't believe how many there were and how does everybody know about this? And then I go on my trip to Palau and I'm hiking to this waterfall. It's like a 20 minute hike, you know, it's hot there. So, you know, it's like you're, you're covered in sweat by the time you get down there. And it's nice as you can jump in the water and have the waterfall come down on you. But at the bottom of the trail by this waterfall, there's a bunch of locks down there with people's names on it. And I thought, 
how in the world is this a big thing that I've never heard of before? This love lock, love padlock thing. So I made a note to myself. And when I got back, I thought, you know, I'm going to do some research about this. It must have been in a movie or something or else how in the world does everybody know to do this? So I looked it up and apparently there was an Italian book and a movie and it was called I Want You. And then I did some more research and there's a a bridge in Siberia that people have been putting locks there since like World War II. And there's some in Canada on the Pacific Trail. I mean, I read in Taiwan. I mean, this is like a worldwide phenomenon that I had no idea about. And it says in Taiwan, love padlocks are affixed to an overpass over a train. And they're known as wish locks. And local legend has it that the magnetic field generated by the trains passing underneath will cause energy to accumulate in the locks and fulfill the wishes. Wow. Hmm. And then in Uruguay, there's a fountain and it has a plaque that says the legend of this young fountain tells us that if a lock with the initials of two people in love is placed in it, they will return to the fountain and their love will be forever locked. And I was like, wow, you know, it's sweet, it's romantic, and gosh, you know, everybody seems to know about it. And it is also a little strange because, you know, you're, you know, the whole, I couldn't decide if I thought this was a good or a bad thing because, you know, one of the rules of travel is, you know, take only photographs, leave only footprints, and you're definitely leaving something, you know, is it like graffiti or is it sweet and romantic? I don't know. I'll put a picture of either the Paris love locks or the Palauan love locks on my website. <laughs> Maybe you guys knew about this, but I had, I was kind of clueless about love padlocks. Okay, so you have a school story? Middle school. The ever-present apathetic eighth grade students. Bored out of their tears. Bored to tears. Bored out of their mind. As I'm lecturing on Edgar Allan Poe, I see a rumpled piece of paper go flying across the back of the room. So my curiosity grabbed the best of me and I went over and to pick it up and unfolded it. It was a $5 bill. <laughs> and this overachieving, bored out of her mind young lady said, oh, that's mine. I said, well, what's it doing flying across the back of my room? She said, oh, Jason always takes my money and does that. I said, okay. Would you like it back? Yes, I would. I said, I'll give it back to you if you can tell me whose picture is on it. <laughs> and she calmly looked at me and she goes, I don't know, some dude. I said, wrong. I said, I'll give you another chance. Whose picture's on the $10 bill? And she responded, I don't know, some dude. <laughs> I said, one last chance. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? I don't know, some dude. <laughs> so, are you in the market for some padlocks, you know, to put your names on with a sharpie and a heart and go find a bridge in Paris or a waterfall in Palau or I think it's another bridge in Siberia. 
<laughs> if you're in the market for some locks, a good place to shop for them would be at Amazon. And if you're going to go to Amazon, you can do me a favor by going to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. Click on the little picture that looks like my book. It'll take you to the Amazon site for my book. And you don't have to buy my book, but anything you buy from there, I get a little percentage. Uh, you get some padlocks for your love and you get to spread a little love my way. It's good all around. Okay, so you said, is what it said on 727? 727, and the crew is sitting in, uh, in the first class, and the co-pilot, super nice guy, was not paying attention to what he was doing, and he happened to look at the flight attendants that were standing in the galley and didn't see, as he stepped into the bathroom, that there was already a woman in there. <laughs> and her pantyhose was dead. She was sitting on the john, and he goes, <gasps> and as he's trying to get out of the bathroom, his foot gets stuck in her pantyhose, and he trips and falls out, and his weight pulled her off the bathroom, <laughs> off the toilet, and she lands on top of him with <laughs> totally Bare naked, butt naked. <laughs> Then he said, they said he was such a nice guy, and here he's with this woman on top of him going, <laughs> So beware. Yeah, beware. Vacant bathroom doors. So I had a flight that was late, and I commute home. And uh, even when you're standby, you have to list. Basically, you need a reservation for them to know that you want to be on that flight. And I didn't have a listing on the next flight because, you know, I thought I was going to be on the earlier one. And uh, I usually do uh, my listing on the computer. But I was on the airplane, and as the passengers were deplaning, I mean, I'm not supposed to do this, but there were plenty of us to say goodbye. I went into the bathroom so that I could do it on the phone, um, actually call, and you get one of those, I don't know about you guys, but man, those automated voice systems, I don't know, I know it's 2012, but you know, we haven't made a lot of strides in that area. Uh, it is so frustrating. You, you can't get through a conversation with that fake person uh, without them doing something completely irritating. I'm in the bathroom. People are leaving the plane. And she's, I'm trying to get my listing. I've listed on my flight. And she's like, do you want to list on other flights? I'm like, no. What flights would you like to list on? And it's like, no other flights. I'm sorry. I don't understand. No other flights. What flights would you like to list on? You can say the flight number or the destination city. I'm like, no flights. And she's like, I don't understand. You seem to be having trouble. I like that. You seem to be having trouble. <laughs> and one of the things you could say earlier, it said, uh, if you're having trouble, you could say back up. So I'm saying back up. Because I'm thinking, I don't have that much more time because people are going to be off the plane. And there's also a deadline if you're not... Um, listed within a certain amount of time before a flight, you can't get on it. So I'm thinking, come on, come on, come on. And she's like, I'm like, back up. She's like, Bangladesh. <laughs> like, Bangladesh. <laughs> she's like, you want to list on a flight to Bangladesh? I'm thinking, we don't even fly to Bangladesh. Bangladesh. I'm like, back up. She's like, Bangladesh. I'm like, back up. She's like, Bangladesh. <laughs> you know what? I didn't get on that flight. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> I was telling the other flight attendants, we're getting off the plane. They were like, oh, I can't stand. I just want to, I just want to swear at those fake people, <laughs> the automated voice people, because they're always saying, you must be having trouble. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and I was telling them like, she kept, I'm saying back up. And she's saying Bangladesh. And they're like, Bangladesh, we don't even go there. And I'm like, I know one who wants to go to Bangladesh. Anyway, I hate those automated voice things. Would you mind telling me, I'm sorry, I have a recorder here. Would you mind telling me how to say hello and goodbye in Palawan? Actually, hello is Ali. And what is goodbye? <laughs> I'm not alone, Where are you from? Oh, Philippines. Okay, it's okay. Thank you very much. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Thanks. Okay, so goodbye is what? Thanks. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. On behalf of the French street violinist, and I'll say that very often, French street violinist. <laughs> I like to say, as they say in Palawan, May a gong. And I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>